Christy's sharing around the cross, and then I appreciated Chaz's announcements about just the week that we've had on a Wednesday this week, Wednesday early morning, Penelope K. Denson was born. That's uh, Becca and Trent's baby. That's, uh, uh, you know, our lead guitarist back here, Tim, the guy that's rocking out. And then Jen uh, is their granddaughter, their third granddaughter, at least from them. And then, um, yeah, they got four now, right? Four granddaughters. And so, uh, but she was born this Wednesday morning, healthy baby. She's seven pounds, 11 ounces when she was born. And uh, mom and baby are doing great. And so I know many of you have been praying for her. She was here last week at church. And uh, we all thought, okay, this baby's coming anytime. And she came on Wednesday. So we're so grateful and excited for them. And uh, the sermon this morning is a dream to impact. And after coming up with this, it was so funny, I came up with the titles for this series. I got done and I was like, oh, I don't really like my title, to be honest. <laughs> you ever done that? You know, I was like, I don't really like my title because... While I love the idea of dreaming to make an impact, and I'm that way, okay, like, I've taken personality tests. I'm one of those people that, that I really love to have a vision. I love to be forward thinking. I love to just think about all these amazing things that can be done. But I need some help sometimes on the action part, right? Like, I got the ideas, but getting up and going to do it, that's very different. And so the goal in the sermon today is not just to have a vision or a dream to do something. It's like, to be honest with you, if that's all you get from this, that's not enough. If you just sit around here and you have a dream to do something, which I think, how many people here want to make an impact? Hopefully, Okay, okay, good. So you've got a vision and a dream to impact. Impact is nothing without act. Right? There is no way... You are going to make an impact without getting up and doing something. So if you get nothing else from my lesson today, I'm going to tell you the thing you need to do. Something. Just write it down in your notes right now. Go do something. You know, growing up, my dad, I used to go to my dad's shop. He, he sold uh, car parts, turbochargers at um, this place called Diesel Injection. And I would go work for him, like, just to make a little extra money. I'd get paid $4 cash under the table an hour. And uh, that was a lot of money when you're 12 years old in Georgia. Okay. And, um, and he, I would be like, what do I do? And he's like, well, if you, he, he'd make me count little, count like thousands and thousands of little ball bearings and stuff. And, but he said, if you run out of stuff to do, just pick up a broom and do something. Okay. Just sweep a corner. And that's something that I've always learned is like, I got to just do something. Okay, doing something is better than nothing. So I'm excited as we talk about this whole idea of dreaming to impact, because I hope and I pray that after you leave here today, you decide to go do something because you never know, like the thing that you end up doing, is this on? There it is. The thing you end up doing might have a ripple effect. I was uh, inspired to be at Daniel's baptism yesterday. And uh, the the inspiring thing, not just that he got baptized, but there was this whole group of of young men and women there. And and they had a really unique connection. Seventeen of them last year from L.A., 17 high school students from L.A. decided to go to Philadelphia to serve on a Hope Youth Corps. And basically what they decided to go do was go meet needs all in, in, um, you know, in people in places with 
and underprivileged part of the world. And Hope does this all around the world. And L.A. sent 17 high school students to that to Philadelphia. And Daniel was out of those 17, the 16th high school student to get baptized from that group in the last year. Caitlin Gonio was actually the first. And, and yeah. And then uh, and then Daniel was number 16. So out of those 17, there's only one student that has not gotten baptized from that group that went and served on that Hope Youth Corps last year. That is just I, I look at that and that ripple effect. And, you know, there's the ripple effect of the parents that had the faith to 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 send their kids to Philadelphia and what that's done in their lives and how it's changing lives. And so there is ripple effects that, that can be had from us getting out and doing something. I wanted to watch a quick video. It's not a quick, it's about four minute video just on the power of making the choice to do something. So let's cue the video.
beam the sun and moon to you and if you share with your heart yeah you give with your heart what you share with the world is what it keeps of you I love that video. I think it's just super powerful. Just about the ripple effect that you can have from the simple decision to do something for someone. And it doesn't have to be big. It can be just something small. And I, and I, I got two points that I want to share with you and then a couple practicals. Um, but the first point, you know, you know we're going to deal with the heart a little bit on these first couple points when it comes to dreaming to impact. Uh, the first point is, what you don't have cannot prevent you from giving what you do have. In other words, just give what you got. Do something with what the good Lord has given you. Amen. Go to John chapter 6. Before we go into the word, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for you. And really, Father, the, the ripple effect that your son has had throughout eternity in our lives. And Lord, I pray that, that we cannot just have a dream to make an impact, that we can actually go do something with our lives, that we can go make an impact, big or small, starting today. Please be with us as we look at your word this morning. In your son's name I pray, amen. In John chapter 6, we get this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And this is one of the few stories, one of the few miracles that actually shows up in every single gospel, every reaccounting of Jesus' life and his ministry, this is one of the few miracles that shows up in all four of them, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John, being one of Jesus' closest friends, recounts something specific about this story, John chapter 6, that I think can impact each one of us. Verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because he saw the signs he had performed by, by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And then Jesus throws a banquet 
has like a buffet line going for 5,000 people full of bread and fish. And the miracle happens where, where he just multiplies the bread and the fish right there. And I love at the end of the story, the disciples carry away, the 12 disciples carry 12 basketfuls. There's a lesson there somewhere away of the leftovers. You know, but we can read through this quickly, but where's the impact? Well, the impact comes from a little boy. Now, I'm hoping and, I, and you know, the Bible isn't very specific about this, but I'm guessing that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you, he didn't just go steal the kids food and say, well, I'm gonna, there's some food. We can just use that. I'm guessing that this boy was in that place at that moment for a very specific reason. Why would the little boy have five loaves and two fish? I'm guessing he's probably taking it to his family. And he hears this conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. And he's saying, like, you find, you feed them. And he's just saying, will this help? And Andrew's looking at it and he's like, that's, that's not going to go far. That's not going to go far at all. I, you know, I think about my, my little brother, Joseph. He, I remember this. I'm six years older than my, my, my brother. But I still remember this like it was tomorrow. We were driving around, you know, a little countryside in Georgia. And we're, we're thinking of, my mom was just making a comment about a house. And she's like, man, that is such an awesome house. I would love to live in a place like that. I just wish we had the money. And my, Joseph, my, my, my brother, Joseph, being the, the little, I don't know how old he was, but he says, well, mom, you can have my shiny penny if you want. And it was one of those things. It was just that I remember thinking it was cute. And I was like eight years old when he said that eight or nine. But I just thinking like the heart of a child is such a beautiful thing. It's just like, here, take what I have. Just just what can you do with this? It, all you need is a little bit. You know, sometimes we decide to not go have an impact because we have to we feel like we have to have it all figured out. We feel like that, like somehow it depends on us. Jesus is like, no, I can take your five fish and your two barley loaves and I can do a miracle with that. Stop saying to yourself that, well, I don't have much to give. Just do something with what you have. Okay, do something with the little bit of time that that you have. Do something with the money that you have. Do something with the extra clothes that you have, with the extra food that you have. Do something good with it. That's the heart. That's the heart. That little boy, I believe he just was like, here, do something with it here. You can have this. And the disciples thinking logistically like this isn't going to go far. And sometimes that's where we get we, we forget to factor in faith into our impact. That's why I love that video, because you don't, like, it all started because that little boy decided to just go, I'm going to go paint the wall by myself. But on the way, he drops the, the little paint for the little girl, and then you see the chain reaction and the impact, and then all those people coming, helping him at painting the wall. So decide to do something. Winston Churchill quoted, he said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Anne Frank, she says, no one has ever become poor by giving. Let's 
not let what we don't have prevent us from giving what we do have. That's point number one. And point number two, and I think this is the one that, that has resonated with me all week as I've thought about it and prayed about it. And I'm going to explain it in a second, but uninstall your dimmer switch. Sorry, I'm not trying to ram, uh, rain on any uh, electrician's parades. If Scott, I know Scott's in Kids Kingdom, but uh, if you're listening, Scott, this isn't about that. Matthew chapter 5, I want you to listen to this, and then we're going to talk about it here in a second. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world, Jesus says. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, here's something that we do, and I'm guilty of this too, as Christians. We get baptized, we study the Bible, we start coming to church, we see God working in our lives, and we get fired up, and that we, we have that light on, and it is bright. And we are excited to let our light be seen, right? We're excited to let our work know about it, our friends know about it, our neighbors know about it, our family know about it, but as we mature... As we get a little older, I think you guys know where I'm going with this. You know, we start getting maybe in our minds a little wiser. We start seeing things a little bit more. And instead of having a lamp, we install a dimmer switch into our lives. And we start making decisions on when we're going to be the light and when we're not going to be the light. We start making decisions like, okay, well, I'm coming to church right now. Kids, get your act together. We're going to be in church. All right, turn the bright light up. Let's go in. Anybody doing that? Some of y'all did that this morning. I know I've done that before. I did that this week when I was going to a friend's house for dinner. I was like, all right, y'all better obey. All right, turn the bright light up. Let's go. <laughs> Let's be a light here. But we do that. We install dimmer switches into our Christianity. And I don't know about you, but I do not read the Bible that way. The Bible does not talk about be a light sometimes. Only be a light at church. Do you know that your if you turn your light up the brightest when you walk into these doors, it's not that bright. You know why? Because all of us did it. You know when your light is most effective? In the dark places. Sometimes that's at your job. But see, we get so worried about what other people think about us that we go into our jobs and we turn the dimmer switch down because I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I'm not sure how people are going to react to my light. And so I've got to turn my dimmer switch down. We do the same thing with our classes. Well, I, you know, I want to be invited to the fun stuff, so I can't be, I've got to turn my dimmer switch down. We do, we do the same thing to our neighbors. Well, I don't want them to think that I'm like totally sold out for Jesus. So like, let me, let me keep it casual. Turn my dimmer switch down a little bit. You know, one of my favorite events that we do as a church is the, uh, the Christmas party for the Department of Children and Family Services. <clears throat> and we do it. We are meeting such a specific need in our community where we are throwing a Christmas party and everybody participates, whether you're there for the day of or you're giving the toys the week before. Everybody makes an impact. 
And we talk about this every year, but it has such a huge impact on our community because we give these toys and we throw this Christmas party for these children who are in a dark situation. And they come to us and ask us to throw this party year after year after year after year. Why? Because you are a light. Because we make the choice to be a light in that dark situation at that moment. That is why we do it every year. And I can tell you it is one of the best things to be a part of. Guys, give yourselves a round of applause for doing that every year. That is something that we do that it is, it is a light. But, you know, sometimes I think we need to hear this stuff where i got to uninstall my dimmer switch. I can't pick and choose where I'm going to have my light shine and not. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus called his disciples to live like. That's not what made you say Jesus is Lord. Now, I know that it's challenging. I know that we get tired sometimes. I know that sometimes like this is just much more comfortable. It's much easier to pick and choose when I'm going to be a light and when I'm not going to be a light. And it's a lot easier to choose when I'm going to be a light when there's other lights on around me. You guys know what I'm talking about? But I want to call you to, to think about your life. I want to call you to do something different this week. I want to call you to, when you go into your situation, your work situation, the situation that you know is dark, you know that it's going to be uncomfortable for you if you actually take a stand for God. And I want to call you to turn that light on. And then once you do, keep it on. That's why I said uninstall the dimmer switch. You get rid of it. We cannot have dimmer switches in our Christianity. It's lights on or lights off. Right? Let's keep the lights on. Okay? And um, we're not called to just leave good impressions. We're called to make an impact. Okay, um, I was reading and I, and I was studying about people that have made an impact. And, and one, I came across like uh, these stories of humanitarian efforts going on around the globe. And it's just inspiring what some people have devoted their lives to doing, where they'll, they'll, they, they get inspired by just the, the great needs around the world. And one of the girls that I was uh, watching a video on and, and she shared, she said, you know, as I've grown and I've gotten more expertise in meeting needs. And her focus was nutrition. So she, so she would go to these parts in the world where children and families are, are malnourished. And she would go there and try to help them, um, how to have a, help them have a nutritious lifestyle without much. And she said that the more impact I started to have, the sketchier my living situation got. So I would go from a relatively safe village in South America to a war zone in the Sudan. And because I was making more of an impact. And she said it's the exact opposite of corporate America, where she came from. She said, because in corporate America, the better you do, the, the, the better you do at your job, the cushier life gets sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? You get the corner office instead of the cubicle. And it was just amazing because I thought about that as a disciple. I was like, you know what? Discipleship is so much like that. The more of an impact you make, the brighter your light gets. Like, sometimes the more uncomfortable it gets. The more you feel like my life is on the line, my soul is on the line, maybe my friendships are on the line. 
That's how Jesus lived his life, though. We got to uninstall our dimmer switches. So with that in mind, I want you to think about this scripture. Verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Being a light all the time is tiring. I think that's why he says that. Let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, let's break this down a little bit in verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, how often do we have an opportunity to do good? All the time. So opportunity really means all the time. Let us do good to all people. Who is all people? Everybody. (laughs) Just making sure we're here. And he says, but if you have to pick who you're going to do good to, choose the people in your row especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, sometimes it's a lot easier to go give to people that you don't know than it is to the people that you do know. It's a lot easier to be that light to to people that don't really know you versus being that light to the family group that really knows you. You know what I'm talking about? Because what happens to the, what, what responses do you get when you decide to start giving after you haven't given in a while? Well, are you serious? Man, you've been late to church for the last like six weeks and all of a sudden you want to come on early because Ron says something on Tuesday? Are you serious? By the way, the church did awesome this morning. Thank you for being here on time. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, sometimes we can feel like, oh, I'm scared to be a light because I haven't been a light. And, and, and so, like, I'm not sure what people are going to think about me. So, Aaron, I love the challenge and all. I love the challenge of going to do something right now. But, but I haven't been doing anything. And I'm scared to think about what, what, are, what are the people going to say about me if I all of a sudden start to do something. You know, are they going to question my heart or not? They might. Do not become weary. Don't give up. Just start giving. Do Something. Make a decision. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's shooting somebody a text message and saying, you know what? I was thinking about you today, and I just want to tell you that I'm grateful for you. Maybe it's texting that business friend that you have that you're kind of in competition with. You know, the guy that keeps on, the guy or the girl that keeps on swooping in and getting your sales before you do. And saying, you know, text them. Say, you know what? I am so grateful for your friendship because you push me. And I need you. You know, maybe it's pr- saying that you're going to pray for somebody. Maybe it's just walking the cart all the way back to where the cart, the grocery cart is supposed to go. Yeah. So I won't get into that. But uh, being a dad with two, I know how that is sometimes. So I'm like, I ain't got time to do this. Okay, we're going up on the curve. Amen. I just gave you some, uh, I just provided job security for somebody. Sorry if anybody has to do that. Maybe it's volunteering at the local homeless shelter. 
Maybe it's deciding, hey, we're not going to eat this meal because we're going to go give it to somebody else. You ever gone hungry so that somebody else didn't? Actually, that's not really going hungry. That's just skipping a meal. We do that all the time. But let's think, how, how can I go do something? Just do something. How can I go be a light for someone? It can be small. Bring somebody a cup of coffee. Bring somebody a water. Shoot them a message. You know, look around the church fellowship. Say, wow, you know, how can I meet your need or your need? Look for someone. You know, the Bible talks about how we should treat the elderly. Like, hey, is there anybody in your neighborhood or in your life that's older that you know could use some help? That every time they sweep their floors, it hurts their back. But you could bring your young back and do something. Your young back. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? So, guys, I wanted to preach this sermon. And, you know, my, my thought was like, wow, like, this will not have an impact if we don't do something. Okay, so hopefully that point's coming across, right? Like, if you're just listening and thinking, oh, that's awesome. These are great points. Aaron, I'm great and convicted. I'm writing all this stuff down. But if you walk out these doors and do nothing, you didn't get it. Go do something, okay? I got four steps. I'm going to close it out. These are called impaction. Oh, there's a, oh, I got a quote that, I just want you to read this quote because it's super convicting. When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life so that when you die, the world cries and you, and you rejoice. Sorry, I missed the last part. Okay, so here's your impaction steps, okay? These are the things that if you're going to leave an impact... We're calling them impaction steps, okay? Number one, you gotta love God. Turn over to Matthew chapter 20, 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Actually, verse 36. Somebody asked, Jesus, teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says the second is like the first. In other words, hey, if you get the first one, then you'll get the second one. If you truly have the first one, which is loving God with all your heart, the second one will naturally follow. How we love others reveals how we love God. It all starts with our love for God. It all starts with loving God with our whole heart because he says, if you get that one and if you really understand what that one is really all about, then your love for others will truly flow from there. Our love for others, it is a good indicator of God's hold on our hearts. So if you're sitting here wondering, like, what do I do? Why is my heart not stirred to go serve other people? Learn what it means to love God with all your heart. Because he says that when you get that, You'll get the second one. Because they're just, they're, they're synonymous. It's like the first one. If you don't know what that looks like, study the Bible. 
Learn what it looks like. Ask the person that invited you today to study out the scriptures. Say, hey, teach me what it's like to love God with all my heart. The second one is have a plan. Go to Mark chapter 3 and we're going to finish up here. Mark chapter 3 verse 7. And I love this passage because it just kind of gives you a picture into the life of Jesus. Just Jesus had a remarkable life and it was just a busy life. Jesus was making an impact all over his area, but he was really here to do something bigger, which we're going to talk about. Mark chapter 3, verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they had heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judah, Jerusalem, Iduma, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. So Jesus has all these people coming to him, looking for him. They've heard word of what he's doing. And then in verse nine, because of the crowd, listen to this. I love this. He told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. If you're going to have an impact, you have to have a plan. How many of you here have been to Carousel Ranch to serve? Do you think it would work well if we all just showed up next year in January, that Saturday that we're going to go serve and say, hey, we're here. Let's do it. No, there is a lot of planning that goes into it. Three months of planning, in fact, that goes into planning Carousel Ranch so that we can maximize our impact. You know, if you if you want to have an impact on somebody, you actually got to start to you kind of have to think about it. You got to make a plan. You got to make phone calls. If you want to have an impact at the homeless shelter, you got to reach out to the homeless shelter and do something and plan it. If you want to have an impact at the local food pantry, reach out to somebody and do it. You know, sometimes impact can happen in a moment, which is awesome, where you can see somebody and meet that need immediately. But lots of times we got to have a plan. Jesus had a plan. He said, these people are coming from all over the place. We got to get a boat ready. Because I'm going to get on the boat and they're going to set me out about five feet from the water. And actually, sound travels over water better. And so my voice is going to echo a little bit better. That's my plan. So I can have the most impact when I'm preaching to people. You have to have a plan. And then verse, he keeps on going. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. You got to do the small things. The small things for Jesus was healing diseases. Now, that's a big thing for us. We know that. But that, that was just what he did. And, and I think we get the point. We got to just do something small. Bring somebody a cup of coffee. I keep going there because I love coffee, but you know what I mean. Maybe it's tea. Maybe it's water. Maybe it's a fizz stick or something like that. I don't know. But we got to do something small. But then point number four, this is the big one, is I want you to remember the big picture. Something about Jesus that in this scripture kind of shocks me. He's got demons saying like you are the son of god after he's healing them healing them or their Jesus. you are the son of god he's got his enemy proclaiming his name what an impact and what does he say he gave them strict orders not to tell others 
So why would Jesus, who is planning to come to save the world and to have an impact, say, don't say anything? Why would he do that? Why would he tell him to be quiet? I mean, because he, it, was, it was only helping his popularity. Word was getting out about him. I mean, those were remarkable events that were going on around him. And he's saying, don't say anything. Why? Because Jesus had to remember the big picture. He was not there just to take care of their physical needs. And he knew that if word got around that all he was doing was healing the physical needs, he wouldn't be able to do what he really came to do which was heal their spiritual needs as well as all ours. He had to have the big picture in mind. Because if they saw what Jesus was able to do physically, they would have wanted to crown him king and put him in charge. And, you know, they, they, they were looking for a Messiah that was going to overthrow the Roman government. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how we're going to set up this new kingdom. This is going to be a kingdom of the heart. This is going to be a kingdom that's going to be we're, we're going to be we're going to be called to sacrifice. We're going to be called to be joyful in all circumstances, to give our lives wholeheartedly, to always be a light. He's like, it's not just about doing a bunch of small things. It's not just about meeting some physical needs. It's actually the most important part is the spiritual needs. So as you're out there, as you're making the decision to do something. Remember, you can help somebody with their food, you can feed their belly, but the most important thing they need is for you to feed their soul. Let's not give up praying for people, studying the Bible with people. Let's not give up helping people become disciples. You might be able to pray, you might be able to change a situation for a moment by giving, but in the big picture, You can change somebody's soul for eternity. Don't forget that. Jesus never forgot that. That's why he said, hey, don't say anything because the time is not right. There will be a time for my name to be proclaimed to everybody. It's not right now. It's not right now. Don't just dream about it. We got to act on it. We got to give what we have. We got to uninstall the dimmers to much who is given Much is required. Men and women here, I think this church can make a difference, not just here in Santa Clarita, but really around the world. And it starts with each one of you doing something. And it can be something small, but I promise you, and you might not ever know, but it can have a ripple effect around the world and really through eternity. Let's be men and women who not just, we don't just think about making an impact. We actually go make an impact. Let's leave here today and put those things into practice. Amen.